recognize that song. It's a, a, a beautiful, beautiful hymn of faith. Uh, his eyes on the sparrow, I know he watches me. What a, what a beautiful sentiment to remind ourselves of this morning, regardless of what comes our way. If God is concerned about the sparrows that may fall from the sky, we know he is concerned for us as well. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you open them please to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 9. Uh, we, we have been making our way through this chapter. It is a chapter that is, in all honesty, it is a chapter that is devoted to discipleship. Jesus began, we, we discover in Luke chapter 9, the beginning of this chapter, Jesus had been living with these 12 apostles and teaching them and showing them who he is. And he has sent them out to do what he's told them to do in the way they have seen him do it. In, in the beginning verses, Jesus sends them out telling them to proclaim the gospel, to, to preach the good news, and to have this ministry of healing, deliverance. And so they go out in word and deed to continue the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is, has prepared for them for this and is preparing them because not too much longer after this time, Jesus is going to be gone into heaven and they're going to continue the mission that Jesus has begun along with the rest of those who follow him. Then Jesus feeds the 5,000 there after proclaiming the gospel to them, after uh, teaching the message of, of, of redemption through himself. He feeds the 5,000, again showing them his power and his authority over creation, creating food and multiplying the food so that many others are fed. And then we come to that great confession of Peter that we looked at last week when Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And then he follows that up with the question, but who do you say that I am? And Peter confesses, you are the Christ of God. You are the Redeemer. You're the Savior. You're the Messiah, promised of God all the way back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when God said there is one who is coming. Out of that, Jesus, we read in Matthew's gospel from that confession, Jesus says, it is this confession upon which I will build my church, and the very gates of hell themselves shall not prevail or overcome the church of Jesus Christ. And then on the hills of that, in Luke chapter 9, verse 21 and 22, Jesus tells his disciples that he is going to die for them. This is not the message that they were expecting. It's not the message that most of the people who had been following Jesus were expecting to hear. They were expecting an earthly ruler, a king, to usher in his kingdom, to overthrow the Roman oppressors that had taken over Israel at the time. They were looking for this sort of, of physical uh, redeemer within their lives. They weren't expecting the spiritual redemption that Jesus would bring. So he said in Luke chapter 9, verse 22, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And then immediately on the heels of that, Jesus makes one of the most astounding statements that any of us could ever possibly imagine hearing. We live in an age where we anticipate and we expect nothing but goodness. 
Parents, how many times do you hear your children say, I need this, when you and I know it's not a need, right? The latest video game is not a need. The latest fashion is not a need. The latest car is not a need. We know that. So often we chastise our children for such shallow lives. That's not a need. That's a greed. That's a want. Well, parents, let me ask you, from where did your children learn that? I know where mine learned it. They learned it from me. I need this. Do you really? And we live in this mistaken notion that if we perceive a need within our lives, that need should be met regardless of what it is. Because after all, life is all about my happiness and about me, right? Well, Jesus says something so opposed to the culture in which we live. Look at what he says, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, that's good. If anyone would come after Jesus, we would like that. Look at the miracle worker. Look at the things that he's done. We would want to come after Jesus. We would want to live for Jesus. Okay, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Does this not strike us? I mean, let's be honest. Let's, let's not try to spiritualize it. Let's not try to allegorize it. Does this not strike us in some way? If anyone is going to follow Jesus, here's what is demanded of him. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him. Talk about the demands for discipleship. Boy, are we not in front and center with them this morning? You see, far too often within the church, what we have done is we have made the mistake of thinking that Jesus is looking for decisions. Jesus is not looking for decisions. Jesus is looking for disciples. And there's a drastic difference between the two. And honestly, the problem is that the church far too often has people who have made decisions and far too few who have become disciples. Jesus in one statement. He lays down the specific conditions which must be met if anyone is truly going to follow him, if anyone is truly going to be his disciple. Put it this way. Wedding ceremony. The minister speaks to the groom and he says, Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health? And the man replies, Yes, no, yes, no, no, yes. <laughs> That's the way we live our lives. I mean, we all want to sign up for better, for richer and healthier, don't we? That's what I want. 
I, I don't want the worse, the poorer, or the sickness. We just want the best. It's why there is such a but such an abundance <laughs> of the prosperity gospel preachers that are out today. Did you hear about the latest shenanigan? Jesse the Planist needs a $54 million jet and he wants his followers to pay for it. The people come by the droves for that because they're given this message that if you will follow Jesus, he's going to make you rich. He's going to make you healthy. And if that doesn't happen, it's your fault, not his. That's why we're so drawn to someone like a Joel Osteen so you can have your best life now. Oh, it infuriates we're selling people a bill of goods that we call Christian, and it has nothing to do with the demands of discipleship that Jesus gives to us. If anyone is going to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Nowhere is that proclaimed in their gospel. It's contrary to the message of the gospel given by Jesus. So what is involved in being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus? What's involved in being a Christian? Well, we begin with a sincere desire. And he said to all, verse 23, if anyone would come after me, Jesus is speaking to anyone who would be one of his disciples. A disciple is a follower, a learner, one who imitates the teacher. He's not speaking just to a select group of people here. He's not speaking just to the 12 apostles. He's not even speaking just to Peter within that. Peter who had made his great confession of faith of who Jesus is, the Christ of God. No, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. All, anyone. I am so glad that I can stand up at any time, anywhere, and say to anybody, if you want to be saved, you can be saved. Now, we know that not everybody will accept Jesus. Friends, understand this. Jesus will accept everybody who comes to him in faith and repentance. If you want Jesus, he will not turn you away. I've never before in my life met a person who would be saved but couldn't be saved. But I've met many of people who could be saved but wouldn't be saved. Begins with a sincere desire. He said to all, if anyone would come. And then it moves from there to self-denial. Let him deny himself. If anyone's going to follow me, if anyone's going to be a Christian, if anyone's going to be a follower of Christ, if anyone's going to be my disciple, let him deny himself. This is where discipleship gets really demanding, isn't it? I mean, if we, if we get right down to it, it, it's even easy to deny things. It's easy to deny pleasures. It's very easy to deny other people, but it goes against our grain to deny ourselves, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I can prove it to you. Have you ever tried fasting before? Seriously. Have you ever tried the spiritual discipline of fasting? 
To say, God, I'm going to step away from this need that I have in my life. We associate it with food for a reason. I'm stepping away from this need so that during these times when I'm engaged in these needs, I'm instead focused upon you as the one who is the provider of my needs. It goes against our grain to deny ourselves. What does it mean to deny ourselves? It means to renounce anything that challenges or overrides our allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. Because, see, friends, understand this. Within your heart, within your life, there is a throne. There's a throne in your life. Either you will sit on that throne or Jesus will sit on that throne. But that throne is not big enough for both of you. Only one person can sit on the throne of your life. If it is not Jesus, it's you. And if it's you, it is not Jesus. Contrary to everything that we see, everything that we hear today, we live in this culture. We understand this, right? We want to be glorified. We want to be promoted. We want to be advertised. We want to be exalted. We want to be admired. We want to be esteemed. And Jesus says, I'm telling you to go against that. Deny yourself. This is heresy in our pop psychology culture today, isn't it? Honestly, it's, it's not far from heresy for most church members today. I want to get what I want the way I want it. Friends, understand this. A crucified Savior is not well served by self-pleasing, self-indulgent people. I want you to understand something this morning. This is so important to understand. The first obstacle for you to follow Jesus and become his disciple, the first obstacle is not sin. The first obstacle is self. That's what gets in our way. I can tell you right now, the worst church member that I have at Boone Trail Baptist Church, I promise you I can tell you who it is, gives me the most difficult time. Always griping about stuff. Worst church member I have is me. Well, it's just my cross to bear. 
a, a, a cantankerous fall, such as my cross to A tough subject. It's just my cross to bear. No, it's not. The cross is an instrument of death. This gives you an idea of what self-denial is, by the way. Take up his cross daily. The cross was not primarily a symbol of suffering. It's a symbol of death. If we were reading this today, it would be like Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his electric chair daily. When you take up the cross in your life, it means that you are going to a funeral. And you know who's in the casket? You. Self. It's interesting that Jesus just mentioned his death in verse 22 of this same chapter. Son of man must suffer many things, be rejected, and be killed. And then now he says, you've got to take up your cross. Do you know how many of those apostles knew what the cross was? Every one of them. They had seen the Romans crucify thousands of people. There had been Jewish revolts against the Roman government throughout the time of Jesus. And even before that, there had been these leaders that had risen up. We're going to overthrow the Roman government. It all been put down. The leaders of most of them have been nailed to a cross. Take up his cross daily. The horror of the cross escapes us. Today we make it ornamentation. We make it jewel. There was a word that came into existence to describe crucifixion. It's the word excruciating. It comes out of the Roman cross. Take up the instrument of death. To say, I'm not going to live to myself any longer. I'm not going to live to my desires any longer. I am denying myself. I am put to death so that Christ might live. follows this up with a singular devotion. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There's the singular devotion. To look to Jesus, to imitate Jesus, to live in obedience to Jesus. The word follow there is made up of two parts. There's a prefix that means like or same, and the word itself which means way. And so it is, it's a way to say we're going to walk in the same way, we're going to take the same road. As who? As Jesus. That's a disciple. That's what Jesus is talking about here. One who says, I want to follow Jesus wherever he leads, wherever he goes, whatever he says. That's what I want to do. Why? Because I'm denying myself and I'm taking up my cross. I'm following him. Look at the corollary to all of this. In, in, in verse 24, look at what Jesus says. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
In other words, Jesus says, those who refuse to deny themselves and instead seek after their own satisfaction, they will never find it. They'll, they'll gain their life. They're going to lose it. Is there anything that is more out of step with the culture in which we live today? The world in which we live today is not going to grab hold of this. It's only those who are living in obedience to Jesus Christ who will grab hold of this and will make a transformation within this culture through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, listen, the reason we are not making an impact in this community today is because we are no different than this community today. We don't live by denying ourselves. We don't live by, by putting ourselves to death and following Jesus. <laughs> We've adopted the same mentality, if it feels good to do it, that the rest of culture around us has adopted. James Davidson Hunter, professor of sociology and religious studies at the University of Virginia, he wrote a book several years ago called Evangelicalism, The Coming Generation. Listen to what he says. self Focus is part of the modern evangelical identity. This is why increasing numbers of evangelical Christians care little about the glory of God or reaching out to a lost world. For them, Christianity exists to enhance their lives, their marriages, their bank accounts, their prestige. But to bear a cross pay a price for standing for Christ? No thanks. See, those who live for themselves never, ever get the satisfaction they seek. We may think they do. We may think that they receive that, but that's because we live with our eyes as well on the immediate, the here and now, the temporary, instead of the great things of God throughout eternity. Do you remember when Jesus, on the night before he was arrested, we'll get to this in the Gospel of Luke, coming towards the end of the book, Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is praying, and the weight of the sin of the world is beginning to be laid upon him. And the Bible tells us that he was in such anguish that it was as though he were sweating great drops of blood. And do you remember his prayer? Father, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. However, not my will, but your will be done. Do you understand the significance of that? When Jesus tells us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily, he is not telling us to do something that he has not done himself. All of Jesus' disciples learned to say that like Jesus. Lord, your way, not my way. Lord, your will, not my will. He continues with the corollary in verse 25. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Gains all that you think this world has to offer. And let and it's empty. It's vain. We, we've seen it in the news around us even recently. Some of you ladies today are 
quite possibly carrying a Kate Spade bag, aren't you? If anyone had it all, she had it all, right? Anything that this world could offer, she could afford. And yet in despair, brokenness, and pain, Anthony Bourdain travels the world eating. That's a great view. But <laughs> it was empty. speaking of influential rich people, Anthony Hopkins, great actor, recent interview, he said this, I meet young people and they want to act and they want to be famous and I tell them, when you get to the top of the tree, there's nothing up there. <coughs> Most of this is nonsense. Most of this is why. You know how much I appreciate the honesty of someone like Anthony Hopkins in saying that. I've gained the world, but there's nothing there. It's just a lie. What are you living for? <clears throat> most important to you is it the kingdom of God or is it your own ease and comfort in life you see in verse 20 of Luke chapter 9 there is a verbal ascent who do you say that I am Peter says you are the Christ of God that's good Paul says that we are to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. There must be a verbal assent as to who Christ is to us. But then we come down to verse 23 and there's a visible assent as well. Denying himself, taking up his cross daily, following him. The life that is changed by God is the life of self-denial, taking up the cross and living in obedience following him. Verse 26 really presses at home this, this notion of self-denial and taking up the cross of Christ. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. We all like to have affirmation, don't we? Of course we do. We like to be affirmed. 
We're all sensitive to how others respond to us. Nobody wants to be ridiculed or scorned in any way. And yet it is true that every Christian will be if we let our faith be known. At some point, in some way, at some level, we will experience that if we live out the reality of our faith. But imagine the scenario. Imagine what it would be like if God the Father appeared with his Son, Jesus Christ, and standing next to him were, were all of the heavenly host of angels. Which is what it would be like. How would you feel if they looked at you and were ashamed to be associated? Jesus says if we are ashamed of him before the world, he will be ashamed of us in the presence of God the Father. And friends, what is our only hope when we stand before God the Father? When we stand before him, our hope will not be in our good deeds. It will not be in our church membership. It will not be in any riches we have attained. It will not be in our giving statement. When we stand before him, our only hope will be Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. He is the one who must speak on our behalf. Father, he is mine. Father, she is mine. And if he is ashamed of us, what hope do we have for eternity? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Would you not rather put up with the scorn, the rejection, the shame of the whole world for the entirety of your life than to have Jesus ashamed of you before the Father? See, if you were to be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus says you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow Him. And if you won't, even though you might gain the riches of this world, you will find yourself in eternal torment, separated from the mercy of God's love and redemption in Christ. Jesus makes it clear. He makes it powerful. Far, far too often, <clears throat> we're like those commercials that you see on television when they're advertising the latest and greatest drug that's available. The, the, the Lunesta commercial. You get this soothing voice describing for you all the benefits of Lunesta. It may deliver you to then quietly you hear, or you may end up driving your car off a cliff. <laughs> Humira, used to treat mild to moderate 
I have psoriasis, I know, because I watch television. <laughs> All of the good things that it does. And then at the end, you hear this serious infections that happen in people taking humira. These serious infections include tuberculosis. It, it, it includes infections caused by viruses, fungi, bacteria that have spread throughout the body. Some people have died. Sounds to me like the cure is worse than the disease. And I wonder sometimes if we do the same thing in sharing the message of Jesus. Oh, if you'll just say yes to Jesus, it's going to be joy and happiness and peace and life eternal. Indeed, it will be. But it's going to be a life of self denial. It's going to be a life of death to yourself. It's going to be a life of daily finding yourself in the need of the Spirit's power to follow you. Maybe today you've been sold a bill of goods. And you're stepping back and you're saying, this Christianity thing isn't all that I was told it was going to be. It's tough. Friends, it's not tough, it's impossible. That's why you need the Spirit of God to help you do it. Christian, you will not live as his disciple. You will not deny yourself. You will not take up your cross daily without depending upon the Spirit of God to work with you. But understand this. You will not come to Jesus on anyone's terms but Jesus. He says, if you really are going to come after me, you will deny yourself. You have to. Because we're never going to admit that we need a Savior apart from denying that we are good enough to have it on our own. You're going to have to take up your cross daily. life of discipleship and following Jesus, have you really done that? Have you not? If anyone, Jesus says, would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross name, and follow me. <coughs> Father, this day, bring us again to a crossroads in our life. Jesus, you reminded us of this. You, you told us about the broad way and the narrow way. The wide gate and the narrow gate. You reminded us that there is crossroads at which each and every one of us stands. One path leads to life, but it's narrow. 
you understand why today? Because the demands are high. Just as I am, I come, yes. Jesus. 